I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. It's yet again time for another Tim May podcast. And I'm excited about this podcast. Of course, I get excited about all my podcasts, but uh, I've got a uh, a return of a special guest star who I really like. He should be a bigger name than even than than he even is out there, but he is already a big name in the world of covering college football, uh, not just Ohio State, but uh, across the nation. Bill Bender, Bill Bender, how are you doing? Hey, Tim, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, you're welcome, man. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, Bill Bender works for the Sporting News and, uh, uh, in my opinion, is one of those experts that you can turn to to get sort of an unbiased opinion of not only where, for example, Ohio State stands in the realm of things, but where everybody else does. Uh, and uh, and we're going to kind of get into some a few, a few uh, I don't know, uh, cleaning up things uh, segments or whatever you want to call it from from the 2019 season and also 2020 and how it projects but hey bill right now let's just start off with 2020 from a from a weird standpoint if you had to give me a top five headed to spring football you know what i mean talk about way too early even though a lot of people have had top fives out for a month now what would be your top five for 2020 going into go you know as you, as you project well i think it's the top five that is the top five in the sport, not just this year, but for the foreseeable future. I, Tim, I've had these arguments with some buddies where I, I kind of tell them, just lay it out there, and I'll lay it out there for you, is <laughs> there are only five teams that can win it all right now mm-hmm. in college football. There really are. It's uh, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia. Those are, in my opinion, those are the only five teams that are capable of winning two playoff games. They've dominated their conferences in, in various forms. I mean, Georgia and LSU, not as much. Yeah. And, and they have the talent through recruiting and the ability to replace those guys better than anybody else. I guess even LSU and Georgia, we'll find out if they can do that. Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State do that better than anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, you know, obviously LSU and Georgia are going to be going through a little bit of a change, you know, from a quarterback standpoint. They lost some also key personnel, you know, down the line, so to speak, on their teams. But you're right. I mean, they've recruited, especially Georgia has recruited at a very high level. Uh, Real quick, Bill, how old are you? You don't have to give me the exact age, but as they say on like a form you fill out, are you in the 30 to 40, the 40 to 50? What range are you in? I'll tell you, I mean, I turned 40 in October, okay. so I've been around long enough to see, you know, some of the shifts in college football. And you and I have talked about this before where everybody likes to say that college football is cyclical, but I, I, I really yeah. think these cycles are lasting a little bit longer. Yeah. Alabama's dominated the sport for almost 14 years now. Ohio State, there's no end in sight in terms of how they've dominated the Big Ten. And then you know, if there's no end in sight there, how do you feel if you're an ACC school not named Clemson? Right. And, and I think that's where we're at in the sport right now where we're going to see a lot of the same names in the playoff. And, and the way I put it to people is this. Think about it this way. LSU had Joe Burrow had the greatest passing season in SEC history. And they beat Alabama by five 
with a quarterback that had one leg. Yeah. I mean, that's how far ahead of those, those three programs are ahead of everybody else, at least in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm with you hundred percent. You know, the interesting thing is Clemson. I still look at Clemson and Alabama, you know, everybody knows I grew up an Alabama fan, but this idea that this notion that Alabama is perpetual, uh, without the man in charge being a big difference in it is just crazy because we all know the you know we all know the 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 uh, swoon between Gene Stallings and Nick Saban it was real you know and uh, matter of fact Alabama was was in essence mediocre for a while there or at least a uh, way below average let's put it that way for Alabama uh, the same way with LSU LSU has risen again under Ed Orgeron and uh, the talent in that area is crazy per capita how many football players are in the state of Louisiana for example and uh, Ed Orgeron and his group have uh, tapped into that but will it sustain you know that's uh, they they had a real good recruiting class this year working on a pretty good one for next year but it's all it's almost always about the man in charge and even with Ohio State you know there was I mean people could knock the John Cooper years but from 92 you know uh, from 92 through 98, you know, Ohio State was about as good as anybody in the country. They just lost a game or two or, or eight <laughs> that, that hurt them to, to prove it, you know, you if you follow my drift. But probably Ohio State has, has, has had the most just sustained uh, excellence, if that's the right word, of being that force in their conference from like 92 or 93 until now than any of them. Do you agree with that? Yeah, it's been over a quarter of a century. I yeah. mean, as long as you've been on the beat, they've been, I would say, I mean, you could probably speak to this better than me. I think at points in the Earl Bruce era, they weren't a valid national championship contender. Correct. Is that fair? Correct. That okay. is very so, fair. Yeah. And then early but, in the Cooper era. Yeah. yeah. But once Cooper got rolling, like you said, around 93, 94, so we're dealing with a, a quarter century where with very few exceptions, Ohio State's always been in the national championship picture from start to finish. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Especially with Urban. I mean, the stat I always throw out with Urban, and you know this one, and, and it's just so bizarre to say this out loud. And, and when people from the South and other regions hear it, they kind of just they, they do a double take, is that you know since Urban Meyer took over, they've lost one Big Ten home game. One, yeah, cost, cost eight, them real big, but yeah, what, yeah, one in eight years, yeah, is, is that what we're dealing with here? And that's just incredible sustained dominance over the rest of the conference. So I know we like to make it an Ohio State Michigan thing, and it is, but it's an Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten thing. I mean, yeah. there, it's not just Michigan that's behind. It's Penn State. It's it's the entire West division. There, there's nobody that really stands up to Ohio state from a talent standpoint. And I would say in a developmental standpoint in terms of, you know, you're going to see it this week at the combine with all these Ohio state guys and how well they do. Yeah. Yeah. But, and what's, what's interesting is about the combine being a, a barometer of it. It's also a harbinger, you know, because uh, they've got all those guys going and yet Ohio state's going to be picked to win the big 10 again by, I think, I think most people, understood the mistake they made last year when they picked Michigan, if you follow my drift, because all you got to do is follow the recruiting rankings to, uh, you know, take you to lead you. They're, they're the breadcrumbs that lead you to what you should be looking at when it comes to college football powers anymore. And, uh, and Ohio State's expected to reload the, the, the guys they lost. They're losing 
you know, Chase Young may be the best defensive player in the country. Maybe the some people might argue the best player in the country from a year ago, yet they've got some young guys rising, et cetera. Tyreek Smith, I mean, Jonathan Cooper, uh, Zach Harrison. Jonathan Cooper's not a young guy, but he's coming back. But, you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's not – it's it's a reload kind of situation for them, and uh, it's kind of hard for I think a lot of people to put their put their wrap their arms around. And yet, like you said a while ago, it's not it had it's not so much Ohio State versus Michigan anymore. It's kind of like a tag team. The Big Ten's got a tag team on the other side of the of the ring, and Ohio State's taking on all comers, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I, and I think the the next part of that though is if you're Ohio State fan, you're asking, well. Why don't they have more national championships? It's because <laughs> it, it's that elite weight class of five that I told you about. I mean, right. Georgia hasn't won. Georgia, Tim, Georgia hasn't won it since 1980. Yeah. It, and that's incredible to me with the talent they've had over the last 15 years. Uh, LSU, you know, they've won three. And they, they last year, that was a remarkable team. Yeah. And, you know, they if Ohio State would have beat Clemson and played LSU, I'm not sure they would have won that game. I just think LSU was operating at a different level offensively than everybody else. Um, just out uh, Clemson, everybody. yeah, right. And and Clemson is recruiting at Clemson to me. And since you dated me, Clemson to me is a a little bit like if you swap the uniforms and put Florida State uniforms on them, that's who they are. Florida State '90s teams, where I'm with you. I, they're going to be in the top five every year. Yeah, and. Everybody's looking. I, I guess I'll get your opinion on this because I, you know, I have my own. But I think there are some small cracks in the Alabama dynasty, but I don't think there are enough to open up the dam yet. I, I just think that's a, a team that has enough talent that you can't count them out any year as, as long as Saban's going to be there. Bill, I'll see if you agree with me on this, but the, the, I, I, in some respects, I think Nick Saban. This you're gonna you're gonna turn over. You're not even in your grave yet, but you're gonna turn over in it. Uh, Nick Saban is underrated, and and I say this from as a coach because look at the turnover he has had on his coaching staff. Okay, over the last, I mean, it's crazy how many guys have come and gone through there. Some of them really good, some of them not so good as they found out when they got out on their own. <laughs> but it's amazing how many coaches he's gone through. And yet maintained, and 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 you know that the main reason they've maintained is because of the talent they got coming in from a player standpoint. And, and don't you agree that uh, the the job he's done just as a coach, getting a new staff going almost every year? I mean, it's it's crazy. Well, you know, you say Saban around Columbus and high state fans like to bristle, but I mean, the truth is, just and you you can probably speak to this more than me since you knew from living down there, but just my experience in dealing with the Ohio state beat and the Alabama beat is you're, you're two of the same people. I mean, the Alabama fan base and the Ohio state fan base is the same. And I say that in terms of they go in, they do not believe they should ever lose a football game Mm -hmm. right at their current state. Like Alabama doesn't think they should ever lose right now. And uh, some of that is the institution that Nick Saban has created. I, I think the best thing he's done. And if you watch it's weird because when Alabama guys get drafted to the NFL, he almost maxes them out in college. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit tricky because they go to the NFL. It's not like they're bad, but a guy like, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, for example, he's really good in the NFL. But he's, it's like he didn't. He was really good in college too, in terms of he didn't really take that next step. Whereas you look at a guy like at Ohio State, Terry McLaurin took off in the NFL, and I think he's he kind of hit us all by surprise. 
he was good at Ohio State. Yeah. But then you real then you realize how good he was when he gets to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's kind of an, a development kind of thing because some guys come along at, at different paces. You know, the, the interesting thing about five stars coming out of high school is, okay, they've impressed you to this point. You know, what? how much, how much farther or how much further can they rise? You know what I mean? How much higher can they rise based on their football? I mean, to me, it's always been an interest. I, I would almost always want to – I would almost always err on the side of four stars because four stars know there's another another level they can get to if you follow my drift. But when five stars are coming out, I mean, how much higher can they get? And it's funny because water finds its own level. I think football talent does too, and I think you're exactly right. And then Alabama players, especially defensively, they're so used to being part of a system – you know, that uh, that I think that kind of catches up to them when they get to the NFL, too. I mean, there are all kinds of reasons for, for, for the phenomenon you're talking about. But most of the time, they turn out to be solid players. But there are very few Alabama guys like a Derek Thomas. You don't even remember him. He played before when you were like 10 years old, probably. But a Derek Thomas, you were just a cut above, you know. I mean, uh, and they get to the NFL and just keep rising. And I think he really hit on something there. It's really – kind of intriguing to me uh to think about that that's a that's a story idea down the road don't you think but huh? <laughs> well that that and here's the thing too you know when you saw this i and i know you have so many guys on that ohio state beat that that cover recruiting well you know you yeah. got one there letterman wrote jeremy does second to none so yeah I, I say this when you watch signing day that the, what i can read and look at and try to break down a little bit is you see that top five that i've been talking about this whole time and they put in i believe it was like 18 or 19 five stars yeah. and then you look at six through 25 and those schools combined get like 10 or 11 five stars and that includes the michigans and penn states where it's a celebration if they get one you yeah. know or yeah. one school that is doing well and you know high state's going to see them next year and i think it's a year early for them is oregon yes oregon's really starting to recruit that five-star guy and they're taking advantage of usc being down so I think, you know, when you look for schools that can try to break through that, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Texas and Oklahoma and yes. Penn State and Michigan. They don't have that. It's just I, I really think it's something to the talent gap. And, you know, we were both there in Ann Arbor this year where Harbaugh didn't like the question, but he didn't like the question probably because you don't like the answer. And the answer is that, yes, Ohio State has a talent gap with Michigan right now. Yeah, and it, well, it's almost like – he didn't like the question because he knows the answer, you know, like you're right. talking. And that, you're exactly right. I mean, there's – I think most people now would, would look around. And, and those guys, it's it's one of those things where, you know, you recruit those five stars and those high four stars to make a difference in the in the biggest games. You follow my drift, you know. And that's where really Ohio State's, you know, superstar kind of guys for the most part have shown. And, uh, you know, uh, Justin Fields, I mean, God, if – if he just hadn't had that knee injury last year, who knows where they would have gone, and yet they still could have, should have uh, beaten Clemson, you know, and had been in that national championship game. But but you're exactly right. I mean, and, and it's so much now, college football is so much a function of who's, of who's at quarterback. Uh, you agree with that, I'm sure. Uh, when you look at oh, Clemson, sure. you look at Alabama, you look at Ohio State last year, it is such a function of that. And even Oklahoma, you know, when you named your five, I don't think you named Oklahoma, but Oklahoma is just that is just that uh, kid on the block that won't go away. It just can't win the big one, right, anymore. I mean, can't it can't win in the playoffs. 
Right. Well, and that's just it. I mean, because the, how many times do you need to see it? This year was kind of yeah. The difference with Oklahoma and those guys is, and I know it's a style of play. Yeah, they they have great offenses, great skill position talent. CD Lamb, you're going to see him at the combine do some pretty cool things. Yes. But um, I think it's on the interior, you know, on both sides where they just well maybe more on the defensive side than the offensive side where the defense they just they couldn't stop LSU at any point in that game. Yeah. They couldn't stop Georgia when it mattered. They couldn't stop Alabama when it mattered. I, I think you know, Ohio State and Oklahoma had a back and forth, but it took if you look at the second game, it took in what my estimation, and I'm sure you maybe you've seen a better performance than Baker at Ohio Stadium at night, but I haven't. Mm. And, and it took that kind of performance to beat the Buckeyes at night for Oklahoma. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think those are they're there. They're in that second class, though, with the noted. I would say if I was to name six or seven programs that are still trying to knock on that door, it's, you know, Florida and Notre Dame and Texas and Alabama or Texas and Oklahoma, Michigan, Penn State. And um, I, I would say Oregon. Oregon's getting closer to me. I mean, they've proved it, proven it to me. You know how, what they did in the Rose Bowl. So that's kind of that that class of like 12 teams. Maybe you want to put Wisconsin in there. Is that that's fine. I'll believe Wisconsin can win a national championship when I see them beat Ohio State on the biggest stage. Yeah. Which have what are we on three of them where they yeah. haven't? Yeah. First first get into the college football playoff once. You know. I mean, you know. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Hey, I want to ask you uh, what just before we move on to a couple other topics. What is your take on Ohio State going into going into spring, going into into this season? What is it? Uh, that you're intrigued about learning maybe in the spring about them. Obviously you've got Justin Fields back. You've got a, and I was playing golf yesterday. As a matter of fact, it was uh, over in Richmond, Indiana with a buddy of mine. And uh, we were talking about this, uh, uh, one of those few days in February, you just got to grab it. Right. But anyway, we were talking about this. I said, you know, some of these guys I'm talking about are untested like Julian Fleming, uh, Mookie Cooper, but I've never seen, as deep a talent well at wide receiver at Ohio State as I see going into 2020. And, for example, and I expect Ohio State to revert back to maybe a little bit more of a 2018 approach, maybe throw a little bit more than they did in 2019 because Justin Fields is going to be an, an improved passer, I do believe. I watched him and his group go through some uh, just uh, offseason throwing session uh, uh, last week, and I was very impressed by what I saw. Uh, you know, just because uh, I was there doing doing this uh, podcast, and I, you know, I just I don't know. I just Ohio State intrigues me because they can be almost a chameleon offensively of whatever it is they want to be, and I'm just wondering what what you see there. Yeah, you kind of stole my thunder there because I was going to talk about the receiver, the receiving group. Well, you know the one I'll talk go ahead. About, no, go ahead. Garrett, Garrett, Garrett Wilson's going to take that next step to superstar. Oh, yeah. I think I didn't, yeah. that's something we're all going to. I mean, you saw flashes of it this year. Uh, yeah, and, like and lightning. When that, yeah, I think that's coming. Um, you know, anytime you lose a guy like J.K., it's it's a concern. But, it, it, again, this this kind of circles back to what we talked about at the top. So, Alabama loses to a tongue of Iloa, and to me, they still won at the deadline because they kept guys like Najee Harris and Devontae Smith and a couple others. Yeah. Now, Ohio State, to me, despite losing – JK and Chase and uh, Jeff, the corner Okuda yeah. to the draft, they won to me because they kept their offensive linemen. 
Exactly. You know, they had this, there were some guys on the fence that stayed. And to me, you knew, I mean, nobody was like, oh, Chase Young's definitely going to stay or JK should stay. No, those guys are gone. That, that, that means you've done your job. So, yeah. and I think defensively, you know, there's probably a few question marks there, but not really. I mean, it's just a talent backfill on the back seven. I think the biggest loss Ohio State had on defense was Jeff Halfley. Yeah. Because of what he did is from the coaching standpoint, I got a chance to talk to him last week and, that's a star right there. He's going to be a star at Boston oh, yeah. College yeah. and moving forward. But hey, so, but let me interrupt you. But even if he'd stayed, he would have been here just this year, probably anyway. You know, anymore. Right. Any, I mean, that's I'm I'm with you. But go ahead. I mean, I didn't even interrupt you. Uh, no, I, I agree good. with everything you've said. Uh, you know, the yeah, other. So, but but you're right. I mean, I think Wyatt Davis at right right Davis right guard. Wyatt Davis might be the best lineman in the country this year. He could he could he could be perceived as that as as the as the season approaches. Josh Myers is huge. But like you said, the the interesting thing about Ohio State is what do you do with Harry Miller? You know, this very talented freshman center they got last year who as the season went on i mean he improved 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 but he got to play in mop-up time for the most part but now you plug him in at left guard which is really you know the only i mean obviously they're they lost their right tackle in brandon bowen but they've got a rising star there in nicholas petit freer so do you get harry miller on the field somehow you know uh because he is such, he is that five-star talent you know to go next to thayer munford i mean what's your take on that yeah, you got to try to get them in there, and I think they will. And, and you know, the fortunate thing is they're going to beat some teams by enough points that he'll get to play. Um, yeah, and, and, again, it's just that offensive line continuity will matter. Yeah. And and Fields really makes it go. And, and that's why you're going to see Ohio State when the preseason pools come out. They're probably going to be number two across the board behind Clemson because Clemson has Trevor back and Travis back. Travis Etienne staying for them was huge. Yes. And um, they're, they're, they're recruiting – at the same level as Ohio State. So, I mean, for all the <laughs> yeah. bad feelings about that semifinal game last year, you're probably going to see them play each other again, whether it's in the four or the two next year. I mean, that's just the way it looks off the surface. So, yeah, I, I think Ohio State has just – in terms of the spring, though, you know, I think last year there was this fascination factor with how would Ryan do, Day do, you know, what would the transition look like? Well, transition just went into hyperspeed they're, they're, they're just taking what urban did and picking up where he left off and adding a personal touch to it and i think ohio state's just business as usual it could actually be a boring spring game tim i hate to say it i'm with because you because we i think we've got we don't have any pressing questions about the team yeah the only pressing question really is who's going to be a backup quarterback you know will gunner hoke prevail will cj stroud or jack miller step up i mean interestingly they've got a they're going to have a true freshman as i keep uh, telling boston you know him as austin ward uh that they're going to have a, a a true freshman quarterback is going to be at least third team you know there's a good chance that one of those guys could rise into the second team category so but we, we but you and i both know to attack Ovaloa. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, as uh, John Cooper used to say, if they're going to bite you, they're going to bite you as a pup, you know. And and so the trepidation by coaches playing freshman quarterbacks anymore in key roles, I think is out the window, especially when the when the czar of them all, Nick Saban, did that a couple of years ago with Tua. You agree? Yeah, and he may do it again this year with Bryce Young. Exactly. If Bryce Young's ready, um, even though they do have Mac Jones on the roster and he got some valuable reps down the stretch. But, uh, you know, that's one of those openers when they play USC. That could happen, depending on if Bryce Young's ready or not. Yeah. Uh, Nick's not going to tell you till 
what is that? September fifth. We're yeah. not going to know. Don't but, ask me uh, that question. That's a, uh, yeah. I, I yeah, can you'll, see you'll, yeah. Yeah. You, you won't know till they have the ball. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think all of those things are, are definitely part of the game now. And I mean, Justin Fields, the the confidence. I, I think one of the things I missed last year was I didn't realize how quickly he would get comfortable in Ryan Day's offense. Yeah. How how just seem it really was. He got comfortable early. Never really stopped. I mean, you look at the numbers. What that's just ridiculous. No, and yeah. and I think you like you said, if that gets better, you wonder what the ceiling is. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing. I I forgot the player that said this when I asked him, when did they feel that confidence in Justin Fields? You know, and they said, well, you know, through – preseason or offseason and preseason uh you know he was playing pretty well but when he took off on that long touchdown run for his first touchdown <laughs> when all of a sudden yeah. you realize there was a new sheriff in town and his name was justin fields you know the the dwayne haskins jr uh era short as it was was in the rearview mirror as far as fo- folks were concerned and that's funny where that's going i mean trevor lawrence you know the, the one thing justin fields reminded people about before that bowl game was that Trevor Lawrence was a good runner? He didn't think he got enough credit for being a runner. And if Trevor Lawrence couldn't hadn't pulled those couple of runs, especially the long one for a touchdown out of his back pocket, I think Ohio State wins that game handily. But he put that team on his back. They got him got him going again, and then they they win that game. I, that was that was that was impressive. I, I don't know if you agree or not, but you were there if I remember correctly. I can't remember which game you went to. Did you go to? No, nah, I was at the championship yeah, game. Yeah. So this is the world we live in in 2020 with covering this sport. So yeah, I'm with you. Trevor Lawrence was phenomenal in the final two minutes against Ohio state. They, they did an excellent job of kind of getting to him early in that game. I think where Clemson beat Ohio state in, in almost reverse order. They did it with yes. Trevor Lawrence's legs and Travis Etienne on the screens. Right. Um, which is not how they beat 99% of the teams they beat. They do it the other way. And then when they got to the championship game, Trevor Lawrence didn't have a good game. He, he uh, right. missed guys on third down. They, uh, they had a good game plan, though, early. And they there was even a point in that game, and it was 28-25, and Clemson had the ball. And I was thinking in my head, Tim, you know, sitting there in the Superdome, I thought, yeah. they're going to win this game. They're going to win. They're going to find a way to beat LSU. And, of course, Joe Burrow turned that the other way. But um, hmm. Lawrence is fine. And my point is, then it started, oh, Trevor Lawrence is overrated. He's inaccurate, blah, blah, blah. Uh, no, he's not. No, <laughs> he's no. going to be really good this year, and and, and I think they're going to win the ACC again, and they're going to be right back there in the playoffs. And uh, again, it's hard not to. If I had to, I, I always play this game every year where you know if I had to get one playoff team right, I only have to get one, and I win my money or whatever. Yeah, pick Clemson every year right oh, now. Yeah. Oh yeah, because well, they've got the easiest path. I mean, yeah. you never know. Ohio State could go slip up in the whiteout. It yeah. could. I don't think they will, but yeah. you know, and then Ohio State would be my second choice just because show me somebody else that can win the Big Ten right now. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about it is I think the Big Ten's pretty damn good, but it's just Ohio State is just that little bit better 
<clears throat> you know what I mean, across the board, and that's where it pays for you. You know, like you said, though, you can be just a little bit better, but you can have that slip-up. You can have that Iowa. You can have that Purdue game that you just go, where in the hell did that come from? Right. You know, and, uh, and, and Clemson almost had it last year, you know. I mean, if North Carolina beats Clemson, does you think Clemson gets in the playoff if North Carolina beats Clemson? I don't think been so. close. I don't it'd think been it, close. it would have been a close vote, man. I mean, it would have been interesting. Uh, it helped them, of course. It would have, it would have helped the cause of what went on in the Pac-12 championship game, you know, the Pac-12. But uh, but I digress. Hey, real quick, uh, I want to move on to this because I, I wanted to ask you about this earlier. Uh, uh, when you look at Texas and you talk about being landing on a planet, you know, that has all the talent in the world around to gather and bring to the home base and – get things done, that's where Texas sits in Tech. The University of Texas sits in Texas with all that football being played. I mean, I was just down in Texas visiting with my mom a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, Lufkin, my old hometown, I mean, they've got an indoor facility, but they're, they were going through off-season workouts and stuff like college teams do, you know, and uh, and they'll have spring football, et cetera, and that's the head start that kind of Ryan Day was talking about, about teams from – about players from Texas, what they come in with, uh, that maybe a lot of other places you don't get that from. And, you know, I mean, you know, obviously Georgia, Alabama, Florida, I think they all have spring football, et cetera. But uh, what is your sense of what's going on at Texas? You know, obviously Tom Herman reached out and grabbed uh, Mike Yersich from, from Ohio State <clears throat> to come there and be his uh, offensive coordinator, uh, new offensive coordinator. He just hired, you know, hired Chris Ash, former Ohio State defense coordinator who flopped as a head coach at uh, Rutgers. But a lot of people, you know, that's not a big uh, – <laughs> uh, that, that's kind of like an oxymoron flopped at Rutgers, you know, except for uh, Shiano who hasn't. <laughs> but my point is, what's your sense? Your, is your sense that Tom Herman's getting his act together down there or you sense there's a desperation? Um. I think getting Ellinger back's huge. I think Tom Herman's upgraded the talent there through the recruiting. He hasn't, you know, Agreed. when he got there, you know, Ohio State was taking all those kids from Texas. It was like open borders. And one of the things that has happened since Jimbo and Tom have been hired down there is they've, they've closed the border, but they've kept enough guys in Texas that they're going to be okay. Yeah. Now, I think the next part of that, him is okay well he can recruit now can he coach and they've lost a lot of close games and in the big 12 you play close games but to me if texas loses to lsu that's fine if texas loses a close one to oklahoma okay i mean those teams are but texas can't be losing a field goal game to tcu or iowa state or right you know have a nail biter with kansas as much as i love less and um you look at his record in one score games it's not great and that's where we get into this year is they have to go down to Baton Rouge. They play Oklahoma early and they do have Ellinger back. And I like that. And I want to, I picked them to make the playoff last year. That was probably one of my bigger misses, but I, I thought, I, I really too. thought the, I thought the momentum would carry over. And sometimes when you lose two early in the season, like they did the rest of the year can go under. So yeah. I didn't feel as, I can say, yeah, it was a horrible pitch. Sure. That's fine. But I don't feel as bad about that as I should. Well, the interesting thing, I think a lot of people did that. I called it sort of the uh, Ohio State syndrome, too. Anybody but Oklahoma was kind of the, uh, you know what I mean? I think a battle cry down there in the Big 12. And and uh, i tell you what, think about this, man. Uh, three straight times, uh, Lincoln Riley, 
or they've they've gotten to the playoffs with three straight transfer quarterbacks. I mean, obviously uh, Baker Mayfield had been there for a couple of years, but that's amazing what what Lincoln Riley and and Oklahoma have done uh, just in perpetuating with guys who weren't there a year ago sometimes and two years ago and and but I don't I don't know what what do you where do you see Oklahoma fitting in that mix now with Texas like because I think Texas in my opinion I don't I don't even call it a dark horse pick I think they could be pretty good this year based not just on the personnel they've got but the coaching staff that they've put together uh, I, I mean I think Yursich is back in his ballywick and I think uh, Chris Ash made a an instant improvement at Ohio State from a tackling standpoint etc hey and that's what was that's what's been missing at Texas in some key moments in games uh, so we'll see where that goes but do you see this as a chance for Texas to supplant Oklahoma it is I mean and they you know it's her Tom's beat Lincoln at least once yeah and they hadn't beat them on the big stage, and there's that chance for them yeah. to really do that. And Oklahoma, I mean, I think they – Texas is always going to face the same hype expectations questions that they always face. Now, Oklahoma, I think, this year in particular, is going to have their big boy credentials fit questioned a little bit yeah. in terms of we've seen you – okay, yeah, you win the Big 12, that's great. And then you go to the playoff and get stomped. Um so I think both of those programs have a lot on the line. I think Oklahoma State's going to get in the mix there too with the guys that they had have, having come back with Mike Gundy. This is one of those years where I think they could get back in that, you know, have one of their years that they've had a couple. Yeah, exactly. Close. I agree. So I agree. They're, they're right in the mix there where if they take care of business early, the Bedlam game could be huge. It's in late October. So – all of those things are going to come into play at the Big 12, and and I don't, but I don't think Oklahoma is head and shoulders above any of those teams as much as they normally are. But I think then again, I said the same thing last year, and Jalen Hurts was a Heisman finalist, so it's on somebody to go out and beat Oklahoma before we can actually say that. Yeah, I tell you what, though, real quick, I want to ask you one other thing. We'll get going, but uh, but about Oklahoma, I, I can't imagine. Oklahoma without Jalen Hurts last year because he pulled a few games just right out of his rear end, his rear pocket. Excuse me. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm going. Okay, but what would that team have been like without him? And then you know you can say that about other quarterbacks too. But there were times when he just said, "We're not going to lose," and they didn't. You know, as after they did lose. But uh, uh, it, and I'm not sure they've got that kind of player now at quarterback. So that's going to be interesting, you know. Uh, real quick uh, though, but they they get into playoffs because once again the Pac-12 stumbles. Because I think you, you could almost sense the committee wanted anybody other than Oklahoma, <laughs> you know, at one point uh, last year. But the Pac-12 couldn't come out, couldn't put forth that candidate, that viable candidate. Do you do you see that possibility in Oregon this year? And obviously, what I'm leading up to here is the big showdown. Is coming, you know what? Uh, Ohio State at Oregon early in September uh, is gonna like uh, kind of uh, pave the way for either one of those two teams. But do you see Oregon having that capability? Oh uh, yeah, I think you know I they got. If you look at Oregon season last year, they're in the playoff if not for a two minute hiccup against Auburn, where they won that game for three and a half quarters and they yeah. let Auburn get back in and they just didn't close the door. Otherwise, they're in the playoffs. Right. And I don't know that they beat LSU either, but um, what Mario's done is he's recruited well on the defensive side of the ball. They've got different athletes than they did when they played Ohio State in the national championship game where 
I, I think we both knew when I saw that matchup, I was like, there's no way Ohio State's losing this game. Right. Because right. they're better up front on both sides. Right. Not that, but you take Mariota out of the mix, and oh my goodness, you know, that was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why I looked at it, but go ahead, though. You're right. But yeah, yeah. And, well, now they're getting kids like Kayvon Thibodeau, who that's first round pick. Yeah. Uh, top five pick, probably off the edge. They're yes. getting a freshman linebacker like Justin Flo, who he'll play some next year, and, and he'll remind people. He's one of those guys, and I'm not going to do a Ray Lewis comparison, but the style is very similar and how he hits and how he plays side to side. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got players. Yeah. And, I, again, I think they're a year early and losing Herbert Hurts. But in terms of just taking advantage of how bad USC is, nobody's done that more than Oregon. Yeah. Hey, does USC what 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 happens there? I'm I'm almost whispering. I don't know why because it's one of the one of the blue bloods has just lost its way like uh, like Prince Andrew or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, no, I think Clay Helton. We I'm surprised they didn't move on um, just because we're doing we're going to do the same questions this year and yeah. they play Alabama again in the opener. You yeah. see her start going one, and then you get into their first half of the season schedule is rough. They play Stanford. They play Utah. They play, you know, Washington in there. And it's not going to be easy. And for that program, it's just shocking to me that I know they can recruit. I know they can develop. But I think some of that's administration on down. So, I mean, I think the new AD, guy from Cincinnati, obviously, is going to have a decision to make next season. And, and I don't know hmm. what you do. I don't know what the answer is. I think Clay Helton's done okay. Mm-hmm. But again, they're they're kind of in that same spot as Michigan and Penn State, where okay is ten wins, but you know in the college football playoff era, okay needs to be or you know better than okay needs to be thirteen, fourteen wins and have yeah. a team that's got enough depth to win too. Yeah, is it unfair to look at them though, with for, through the prism, if that's even the right term, maybe the looking glass of what they used to be. You, you follow my drift? Uh, from no, the I mean – I mean, is it fair? Yeah. I mean, because some sometimes programs lose their way and never really kind of get back, you know. I mean, it takes a long time. I mean, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of an example. I mean, Clemson won a national championship under Danny Ford, but then Clemson became just sort of that mediocre good team. You know what I'm saying? Forever until Dabo took over, and then they took it back to the next – you know, to that high level, and I'm just – I don't know. I mean, what what's your take on that? Well, I think, you know, they just – they can still win there. Pete Carroll won there, and it wasn't that long ago. And yeah. I know the thing I was saying all along is, yeah, if Urban ever took that job, he could win there too. Well, I agree. Because so, he could, well, that's what I'm getting yeah. to. It is the guy. That's what I was talking about when we started this whole thing. It is the guy that's running the show that does make the biggest difference in college football. I think you agree with me on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Urban would win there – like Pete did, he'd probably do it faster because he recruits better. Um, so I, I think that's half the battle there is you have to have the entire organizational approach from the top down. And right now, Ohio State has that. They've now, has it been perfect? No. I mean, you had the suspension with Urban Meyer two years ago and Gene Smith got suspended. But in general, um, I would even say, you know, for all the knocks on Meyer back then, Player behavior was pretty good mm-hmm. under his – there was an incident here or there, but nothing too bad. And I know there was the incident with the two Ohio State players a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think like Ryan Day's running something out of, you know, Pony Express or something like that. They, yeah. they, they've they had a pretty good behavior – in terms of player behavior, yeah, they're, they're fine. So 
that's part of it too. And right now, again, it kind of brings our whole conversation full circle is Alabama, Clemson, Ohio state. They do that better than everybody else. Georgia and LSU are probably the next best. And then everybody else is kind of trying to figure out the formula, you know, trying to figure out that way to, to win big at the table. And, uh, it's been a struggle for some of those other teams. Like, like for example, I mean, I'll just come out and say it. I don't think Jim Harbaugh's done a bad job at Michigan. I just think they, he inherited a program that was a little bit behind and how, just for whatever reason, instead of closing the gap in five years, the gap has gotten better between those two programs, despite the success he's had against other teams. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, I always use auto racing analogies, but it's like when you get into like, uh, you build a new car, but the, uh, and you hope it's you hope it's going to be competitive. But the other guy has been working on his car for a couple, three, four, five years, and has honed it. You know what I mean? To it's you know it's hard to play catch up. Is is the whole thing without just a shot of high octane, a couple of four or five big time players that just make the difference, and they they can make the difference in those kind of games, and and that's really who Michigan hasn't gotten yet. You know, I mean, they, they thought they'd gotten a, a transfer like that in Shea Patterson, but he didn't really turn out to be that that quarterback, or at least they didn't match him with, with the offense maybe that would have uh, – uh, he would have played better in and been more effective. And I think it's been interesting to watch that because you can't turn your back on the transfer portal anymore, and they haven't, mm-hmm. by the way. But the flip side of it is you gotta you got to hit gold when you, when you get that transfer portal. And – that some teams have done that, like uh, you know, like Oklahoma did last year with Jalen Hurts, like Ohio State did with Justin Fields, and some haven't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I think uh, Michigan definitely there'll, there'll be the same old questions about them. But I, I you know, they're not going to fire him. I don't think. I just yeah. think they're, yeah. they've. I always pull out these stats with him. Everybody likes the top ten teams and that you know the high State stat, which is zero and five, and and glares probably shines bigger than anything else. But I mean, I told people like, if you're going to give Jim Harbaugh credit for anything, give him credit for taking the state back because Michigan state's a mess and such a mess that Luke fickle wouldn't even take that job. Um, (laughs) He's played even with Wisconsin and Penn state. People act like Penn state and Wisconsin have dominated them, but Jim Harbaugh wasn't brought to Michigan to compete with Wisconsin and Penn state. He was brought on to, you know, break a, it's the fact that they haven't won a Big Ten championship since 2004. Yeah, kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, he was brought on to you know close this gap with Ohio State, and it just hasn't happened. They've they've had chances. I mean, the 16 team was good enough to do it. Um, the last two years they were good enough to probably win that game, but it, that was the whole thing: the execution, the game plan, the the talent gap, and all those things. Last year they had to play a perfect game to have a chance, and they left I think two scores on the board in the first quarter and you just kind of knew this is over yeah yeah interesting uh by the way uh Mel Tucker how do you think he'll do at Michigan State um you know uh, the one thing he does yeah uh, the one thing he does do is recruit yes pretty well he learned that at Georgia and Alabama and uh um and Ohio they State. had a better Ohio recruit- State. Colorado yeah. had a better yeah. recruiting yeah Col- yeah and Ohio State Colorado had a better recruiting class than Michigan State this year yes so that's one thing. Now the other part of it is. Well, wait. Let me interrupt you. The problem is he can't bring that recruiting class with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and yeah. you know, Mark went. D'Antonio went seven. I, I pulled this stat out a lot when he was resigned. It said he went seventeen and seventeen 
against Michigan. He was eight and five, six and four against Penn State, and three and eight against Ohio State, which is better than you Most. think. Yeah. When you think of how dominant Ohio State's been. So 17 and 17, 500 record against those three. But if there's a but there, it's he did take advantage of Michigan being a mess and Penn State being under sanctions. Uh, Tucker walks into a situation where Michigan's still operational. They're a lot better than they were, and uh, they're better than Michigan State, and Penn State's better than Michigan State. I'd actually think Penn State's a bigger threat to Ohio State in the short term than Michigan is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, and, and it's yeah. fared out that way the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so all of those things are working against Michigan State, where I think as a program, currently – they're probably closer to Indiana than they are Penn State and Michigan. Okay, uh, well, last question. You can give me a, a two-word answer if you want to on this one. Uh, you you watch the entire nation, uh, as I like to say. You're an omnipotent, uh, an omniscient <laughs> uh, reporter. If there's – give me one name or, or a position you're intrigued about, about Ohio State, what they've got to get settled, in your opinion, in spring to really – uh, maintain, so to speak, to show that uh, they're going to be, uh, once again, a viable college football playoff contender. What is that one position or that one player that you think needs to step up and show he is that guy or that position has been fulfilled? Well, I just I, – I, one guy, I mean, I kind of talked about him earlier. I think does Garrett Wilson become a Bolitnikoff candidate? Does he become All-American like – and you've seen so many good receivers come through Ohio State over the years. Like, I, I mean, that, I just when they flash through my head, it's like David Boston, Terry Glenn. Yeah. You get into you know some of the guys Trestle had, like Michael Jenkins. Chris, They've had so many Chris good Carter. Ones. Chris Carter was pretty good. Right, yeah. right. And <laughs> is he going to be that kind of player? Yeah. Is he going to be that kind of difference maker? And if he is, you know, how much faster are those other guys around him going to develop? Because there is the. I mean, you met. You said it earlier about the recruiting class they had at receiver and the depth they've had at that position. And I was talking a little bit about the combine development where McLaurin and KJ Hill and, you know, they just, it's on and on and on they go. Could be, could this be the best receiving core in the country? Because uh, and this leads to my next point. LSU had that last year. Yeah. <laughs> LSU yeah. had yeah. you, they were a cheat code on offense with, Jefferson and uh, Jamar Chase and um, Terrace Marshall and Thaddeus Moss and Hilaire. Is Ohio, if Ohio State has that at receiver, they could be that cheat code offense that nobody can stop. And yeah. you can win national championship and, with that and, pretty easily. And what LSU had going for them, too, is speaking of cheat codes, they had a guy playing quarterback who was reading defenses like a first grade, first grade primer you know, book. I mean, it was crazy the poise that Joe Burrow showed in the toughest situations and found the open guy, you know. Mm -hmm. And when you couple Garrett Wilson with Chris Olave, you know, and then intersperse these other guys, I mean, that's that's a pretty formidable-looking uh, passing attack on paper. And Jeremy, yeah, Rucker, Jeremy Rucker up the scene, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. exactly. And if they have that, they'll be – good yeah. enough to win it so that's what the position i'll be watching and yeah. and definitely the player i'll be watching because i think he has that opportunity gotcha ladies and gentlemen much thanks <laughs> uh, much appreciate my uh my friend uh pretty much we're, we're bordering on being longtime friends now right bill <laughs> yeah. it's been yeah. a while man yeah. and uh yeah anytime you, you can have me on i appreciate it and, and you know it means a little bit more to me to be able to come on here i mean 
being a local kid, being a Lancaster guy and oh, yeah. living in that, living at Pickerington, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's really competitive here and uh, a lot of fun to live here. Well, they're going to rename that Jack Sawyerville, aren't they? I'm, I'm, maybe, yeah. I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. You know, maybe that's well, coming. I, tell you what, I got a quick Jack Sawyer story for you. He's right. just a guy that, you know, my, we were out at one of the local breweries and my son was with me. And as you know, he's nine and coming up through this system and we saw Jack and Grant went up and said hi to him. And I just thought it was going to be a high and it yeah. ended up being like a, 10 to 15 minute conversation because Jack was willing to take that time out of his day and, and just talk to Grant and his friends and, and just a really good kid. And I, I'll definitely be rooting for him when he comes to Ohio state because the Buckeyes are going to get a good one there. Wow. Well, ladies and gentlemen, there's insights you don't get just every day uh, from Bill Bender, sporting news, longtime friend of mine. And we definitely have him on quite a few more times because uh, he enlivens the show, but mainly he enlightens the show as far as I'm concerned about what's going on other than in, at Ohio state, but also he's plugged in with Ohio state too. So uh, until next time, this is Tim May and thank you very much, Bill Bender. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Tim May Podcast. Hey, thank you. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.